0: Well hello there, welcome on to the RT Soccer Podcast, another edition has landed, we have so much to discuss in the company of James O'Toole, Gary Rogers, Kenny Cunningham also with us, plenty of reaction to come from over the course of the weekend. How are you doing James?
1: Not too bad Adrian, how are you? Good,
0: good, good, good. I tell you what, let's get straight into it. It's a big, big week, of course. They're all big weeks when it comes to international football. Ireland taking on Portugal on Thursday. What an occasion that promises to be with Ronaldo swaggering into Dublin City. And then on Sunday, the final game of the qualifying campaign away in Luxembourg. Of course, Ireland's hopes of qualifying for the World Cup finals in Qatar next year long dead at this point but um, still stephen kenny will be looking to see his team finish strongly uh, let's start on that uh, we're joined by kenny cunningham and we get the thoughts as well of gary rogers uh, kenny what are you hoping for from these two games obviously portugal as i mentioned there it's going to be a big occasion full house I guess a continuation of what we saw in the last window. Very encouraging signs then with that win in Azerbaijan and obviously the friendly as well against Qatar. More of the same perhaps? I mean, obviously against Portugal it's going to be very difficult.
2: Um, Yeah, I think so, Adrian. I think you're right. I think it's just uh, performance, really. Certainly from an attacking point of view, I think uh, we all enjoyed uh, the last two games in terms of chances created and uh, goals scored. So certainly more of the same would be great. I think this will be more of a... uh, a test for us in terms of kind of the defensive structure of the team, which probably hasn't been kind of stress tested too much in the last two games against Azerbaijan and Qatar. We know the qualities that Portugal have, particularly as an attacking force. So I think in terms of you know our, def- our defensive qualities, we'll uh, we'll get a better indication against Portugal in terms of where we uh, stand because probably those games against Azerbaijan and Qatar probably some. Moments during the game where we looked a little bit open, potentially on on, on counter attack. So their kind of areas will need to tighten up, obviously against Portrushville. But I think we're in a good place. Most yeah, importantly, so the players are in a good place psychologically. You know, see some good positive vibes coming out uh, from the group as a whole. And um, individually, players are in good form, playing with confidence. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: So that defensive setup that you mentioned, they're a little bit open at times. That's a source of concern for you, is it?
2: yeah, it would be well, I think it's always it's always the case for every well every manager club uh, international it's always a case of striking that balance between putting in uh, players uh, on the pitch who can offer an attack and threat and you know create chances and uh, score goals which we have been doing, but also you know you have to have that kind of defensive solidity as well, so that's where I'm kind of interested in terms of <clears throat> where Stephen and the management team. Kind of personnel they're looking at in terms of the, those kind of central and forward areas of the pitch. And um, Josh Cullen and uh, Jeff Hendrick played away to Azerbaijan, and it was uh, it was Connor and Jeff at home to Qatar, wasn't it? So I think you just have to be careful in there. You have a bit of defensive uh, solidity when I look at Jeff and maybe Connor Horahan as a central midfield pair in. I think I look at them. I think two wonderful players. Jeff, in particular, you want to give him licence to go and get forward and join in with the with the front players. That's what he's good at. Connor's a kind of a ball playing midfielder, but somebody I think is very effective when he's actually travelling towards the opposition goal as well. He's great delivery into the box. So I don't think at that period we have a naturally holding midfield player, which is why I suspect you know Stephen might lean towards Josh Cullen, who's probably that type of player, somebody a little bit more disciplined in terms of us that kind of uh, that defensive role that kind of fun- uh, fulcrum in central midfield so yeah that that's that's the kind of area uh, the pitch uh, would interest me will Stephen put an extra centre midfield in there will he play with a narrow midfield three just to reinforce that central midfield area but they're the kind of things we have to you know we have to get right uh, on the night because if not this Portugal team they're too experienced too kind of too wily You know they'll kind of draw us onto them, and you know they'll be potentially they can pick us off on the counter attack as well. So it's just striking that happy balance in the performance. Not an easy thing to do against opposition this quality, but that's the challenge facing the players going into the game.
0: Yeah, Gary, they played so well, obviously, in Faro. And obviously lost out Ronaldo coming up with the goods late on for Portugal on that night. What way do you, given what Kenny has just said, what way do you expect Stephen Kenny's Ireland to approach Thursday's game? Because there's going to be a a full house, almost a a carnival-like atmosphere, given that we haven't had a full house in many's a long day now. But in terms of his approach to what is a big international game, how do you expect him to set up?
3: Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting to strike that balance because I think, you know, against the likes of Portugal, you can't just cough up possession to them and give it back to them, so Steven's going to have to go with, say, te- technically better players, you know, in order to keep that ball because you need to take a breather in these games with the ball and, and if you've got players who are technically good on the ball, they'll be able to do that like the likes of McGrath, who he played against Portugal the last day, technically very good on the ball and he might tuck in wide and come in as an extra midfielder to kind of um, give, give lads a breather and Lads who are comfortable on it to try and take the sting out of uh, Portia because you're gonna you can't give them the ball all the time and they'll really hurt. They've got the players to do that, so it will be an interesting setup. I don't see him going away from the three at the back with the two full backs out wide. And um, you know he's got interesting decisions to make in that back three with obviously Collins and Omar Bamideli playing well lately, and Duffy has come back to form as well. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what way Steven sets up. I do see Cullen probably starting in that holding
1: role in the midfield as well, though. Kenny, do you think the full crowd is actually going to put a bit of pressure on Stephen to kind of keep it keep it shut almost, so he can get the good atmosphere going on? And he obviously has the crowd on his at his back already, but a, a kick in here might not be good for him, though.
2: Yeah, no, but I hear your point in terms of how Stephen uh, visualizes the game uh, panning out. I think he'd be determined to maintain a, a high percentage uh, possession of the football. Uh, for as best he can so to do that you need to get those tactical players on the pitch and to a certain extent we have that certainly with Jeff Hendrick he's done that in the last couple of games I'd agree Jamie McGrath for me has given to a couple of very polished performances in the last couple of games Uh, and he's someone I think you can trust And, and very versatile as well I think it's good to have players on the pitch who can actually Kind of morph into different positions on the pitch. Jamie McGraw looks like one of those players to, to me he can play kind of wide of a three up front. He can, I mean, plays a 10, you could even ask him to drop into a kind of narrow midfield three as well. If you needed just to change things during the game, you felt you were a little bit open playing with a front three, he could slide back in as well and just uh, solidify things as well. Jason Eisenlund, a player I'm a big fan of, he hasn't been available, James, is he last kind of um, uh, period, but I think he's a player who can. Really add something to the team in terms of his his energy, his dynamism. I think he's got a good level of technical ability as well, and I think whatever opposition you're playing against, I think if you can get as much legs and you know pace, physicality, and dynamism into the team as possible in all areas of the pitch, I think you're uh, you're better for it. So, yeah, I don't think it'll be a back to the walls performance. I don't think Steven individualises a game where you know we're we're operating a low defensive block and. You know, giving up possession to the Portuguese and maybe looking to hit them on the counter attack. I think he'll be keen to get it, get on get possession of the football, and maintain possession as we have done the previous couple of games, and actually try and dictate to the Portuguese and keep the ball away from them. I mean, I'm making the point about having those kind of defensive qualities in the pitch, particularly in those central midfield areas. But some managers see it a little bit differently. Stephen might be one of them. He might think, well, let's give the let's keep hold of the ball if we have a possession of the ball for a long period of time well then those issues I'm talking about shouldn't really become a big factor in the game because you're the one in possession you're the one dictating things so yeah so those are the things I think he'll wrestle with but even up front Chiadozi Ogboni I thought I was really impressed with the previous game I actually thought the front three against Qatar looked really well the balance was good Callum Robinson played as that number nine almost a false nine lads didn't he Ogbené played off the side and and Jane McGrath the other side and I thought they worked really well together Callum Robinson kind of dropping in deep Ogbené and Jane McGrath driving into the space and behind some of the combination play was good so he may not deviate too much away from that I know Adam Ead is available and Stephen has a lot of confidence in him but kind of the performance Callum Robinson gave in that central striking position just in terms of how he linked up with the other players around him Mm. I mean, possibly a strong argument for keeping
3: that front three intact for the game against Portugal. Would you agree with that, Gary? Robertson was absolutely nailed on to start, really, because he 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 gave a terrific performance, and I think Stephen, you know, will try and give him more confidence and and kind of hang his hat on him as his number nine, if you like. And I do see probably McGrath playing. I'm not so sure about how Benny, I think he might be more potent coming in, and um, you know, and give an impact in the game from the bench. So I I think you know on the on the left side i could see maybe him going going with somebody else on that left side now who who it is we don't know but i'd like to Horgan possibly as well but um like they played really well against that opposition which you would have expected and portugal obviously will be will be a different kettle of fish
0: just in terms as ever You know, once Ronaldo's in a starting team, Kenny, and bear in mind, it's a massive, massive game. Whatever about for us, for Portugal in terms of qualification, because they've got to play Serbia in their final game. So they're coming here to win. But in terms of Ronaldo, we kept him relatively quiet in the recent match in Faro. But he is that kind of player. He came to life just when it mattered produced the goods and got Portugal over the line against Ireland but dealing with him at a packed house at the Aviva Stadium not easy
2: No it won't be easy but I don't think um, the manager of the players get too fixated on him you have to respect and we know the qualities which he has but I think if we do well that some of the things that we're talking about here in terms of kind of ball retention and being positive and you know getting into their half the pitch and dictating things well then Ronaldo becomes less of a a factor in the game we know he can you know turn the game in in his favour at any given moment such as his quality but we can't be too fixated on him I think we just have to concentrate on what we've been good at the past couple of games particularly in possession of football but also as I said that kind of defensive structure as well you know we can't leave ourselves uh, uh, too open Uh, can't leave ourselves too susceptible to the counter-attack can't get too carried away with the occasion really it's going to be a great atmosphere there I'm really looking forward to it but uh, you know we can't kind of can't get carried away really with the atmosphere. And you know, uh, you know, throwing too many players in the forward areas of the pitch, too cavalier, too kind of gung ho uh, with our approach. We have to be quite disciplined even when we're in possession of the ball. In terms of how many players we commit to forward areas of the pitch, we always have to be conscious of that kind of quick turnover of possession and and quick counter attack. So yeah, it'll be a fascinating game. I'm looking forward. So I think. Portugal, to be honest, which it's a big game for them. If you look at the group, they're wrestling for a top spot with Serbia. It's a massive game for them. You know they can't afford to drop any points whatsoever. So, I think their focus will be it will be spot on, hundred percent. Their application. So, yeah, it's a big challenge for the players. But yeah, it's just something. It's a challenge you have to embrace.
1: Gary, just a quick one for you. Obviously, you've you've been managed by Stephen Kenny before, and a lot of a lot of people have talked about if he trusts you you're part of his squad but I think this this in this squad in particular he's shown if you're not in form as well though he's no fear of leaving you out
3: yeah well one thing about Stephen is he's he's not afraid to make big decisions and like, look I think you're probably referring to Connolly there is out mm. and you know to be honest he probably hasn't shown enough over the last in the last kind of um window you know and and his form as club you know to to warrant being in the side i think you know there's players who are in better form at the minute and Stephen has rightly gone with with the squad he's gone with so um yeah like Stephen, you know he's not afraid to make them tough decisions and um like i think he does give players great confidence but equally so he rewards lads who, who are playing well and um, week in week out and in form and you're going to need players that are playing and in form in order to get a result against against portugal
0: and kenny just to finish on the international scene Obviously, after Thursday, Sunday, is Luxembourg away? Uh, Stephen Kenny's contract runs until next July. That incorporates the start of the next Nations League qualifying campaign. In many respects, do you think is Luxembourg away a bigger game for Stephen Kenny than Thursday?
2: Um, I don't really look at it in those terms, to be honest with you, Adrian. I mean, it seems as if these questions have been thrown forward, probably understandably, pretty much after every game over the past kind of six months in relation to the manager's future but my kind of uh, opinion really hasn't changed since that uh, home game against uh, Luxembourg which was a pretty kind of and for us like. but even after that game I think you know my thinking on it was look Stephen Stairs and his management team to, to the end of this qualifying campaign and that's the time to reflect on kind of, his body of work over the previous kind of 12 to 18 months and then make a uh judgment call in terms of where there's a new contract there. So actually with only two games today I've, I've, I feel very much the the same. I think it's true to say we're in a far better place now than when we were after that home again against uh, Luxembourg. And certainly the signs of late are kinda of quite positive in terms of how the players are playing the kind of a bit of cohesion uh within within the squad, the kind of spirit within the squad. So that all very well. And I think if kind of performances continue on a level which they have been of, uh, of late against Portugal and Luxembourg, kind of irrespective of their results, they're made, and you know, I sense as if there'll be a a, a new contract uh, there for Stephen going forward, and I, I wouldn't argue with it.
0: All right, uh, before we let you go, Kenny, just a word on the weekend action in the Premier League, Manchester United beaten again, Liverpool losing to West Ham at the London Stadium, Chelsea held as well by Burnley. But the Manchester derby, we were talking about managers and Stephen Kenny and his new contract, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer always just seems to be one result away from question marks being raised and Manchester City utterly dominated the derby on Saturday, didn't they?
2: Yeah, no, that must have been gut-wrenching for Manchester United Suppose It was bad enough, you know, the kind of borderline humiliation against Liverpool, uh, a couple of weeks ago but I actually thought this was worse to be honest which I maybe didn't suggest that but uh, it was pretty miserable stuff I mean first half it was very difficult I'm talking about Ireland here in terms of a bit of structure and kind of cohesion to their play but I really was scratching my head first half in terms of what United were were trying to do in terms of the tactical setup. yes they played with the back three kind of wing backs it midfield three in the front two, but I just couldn't believe how passive they were at our possession. It didn't look as if they'd any idea really how to spring out that low defensive block can actually turn over the ball from Manchester City. They were kind of drifting around the pitch and just looked as if no real comprehension how they were going to win the ball back. And when you see something like that and you really have to look towards the the kind of manager the manager and his uh coaching staff in terms of how they're setting up the team because that's striking as if the the, the team went down to the, the pitch with no real no really game plan, no real understanding of what they were looking to do in and out of possession of the football, and you can't do that against a team of Manchester city's quality they'll just kind of open you up uh Manchester City recognized that straight away they knew where the overloads were and the wide positions kind of doubling up down the sides. And Manchester United were just, were just really all over the place. You know, they went down with a whimper, and it was, it was tough to watch. Actually, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think the manager's under massive pressure. That goes without saying. But um, I don't see, I don't think there's a quick fix out there in terms of who actually comes in. There was an obvious replacement there for Major, wasn't there, Antonio Conte. But I think that, uh, Daniel Levy sensed that maybe Conte wouldn't be on the uh, wouldn't be on the side for far, for much longer. So he, he grabbed him early. And maybe the Manchester United hierarchy be looking at that thinking maybe they should have acted a little bit earlier. Time will tell. But uh, they're in a pretty desperate place at the moment. Uh, Manchester United. And I don't see the quick fix.
1: Gary, when there's always a goalkeeper's mistake, it's always great to have you on. <laughs> but De uh, the Gea he- the he did really well for most of the game in fairness. He made so many saves. But the second one is obviously a mistake. the going in the front part of the post right between him and the post. But even his positioning and the fact he goes with his foot for the first one instead of his body, like that—that's the difference between games like this.
3: Yeah, but he—he he, like he had a terrific game. If you look at the amount of saves yeah, that he made exactly. and he kept him, he kept him in the game. would not be too harsh on the first one, but certainly. Look, the second one where, you know, he's kept him in it for so long and made multiple saves, and then he—he's just tried to. Sometimes I to wonder about his technique a little bit, But he's just rather than making himself big, where you see a lot of keepers where they say really upright, put their hands out and the, keep their chest forward because he's kind of facing towards the post and he's tried to then push it away uh, uh, around the post and ends up, like, in fairness, it is... The distance between him and the ball, and he would probably have expected the defender to clear it because it comes across Shaw, I think it is, and he doesn't clear, it, and his you know they get it get a touch on it from close range, and it is difficult you know, in terms of making that decision because you probably he probably is expecting his defender to deal. I don't know what Kenny thinks of the defender there to let the ball go past, him. he probably could have tried and put something on it, but yeah, look, it, it's it's he would be he would be furious with that mistake.
2: I'd be more interested in Gary's opinion on the. Uh the uh, Liverpool goals conceded at West Ham yesterday in terms of Allison's role there. A lot of discussion after the game about Allison obviously <coughs> not demanding that one of his defenders, um and Man Mark Antonio was pretty much in his face. Uh, Gary, wasn't it for both of the goals and there's no right or wrong I know uh, we've probably played in teams and I've played with goalkeepers some uh, would uh, be happy to kind of have physical contact with the forward in that respect, others would be very insistent on defender coming in and acting as a buffer between goalkeeper and the opposition forward, Antonio in this case, to make it a little bit easier for the goalkeeper not to get body checked and to come and deal with those crosses. Just wondering how you saw, how how you like to play and what how, how you would have dealt with that situation.
3: Yeah, I don't like the way Liverpool set up in general from the corners with that kind of zone um, yeah. and then leaving leaving the space in order for Antonio to come in and top you. I would have always put a defender, uh, sometimes I would put a defender in front of the attacker because then I think he deals with, say, from the middle of the goal to that near post and you'd also have a guy in the hole. So I'm saying to him... You deal with that in front of you. I'll deal with Antonio and what's behind me. So you kind of have that security of knowing that, if, like, if the ball was to drop in between your your defender and uh, and the goalkeeper, like. We yeah. should be. It's a very kind of small area that the, that uh, the attacker has to score a goal. So your defender should be dealing with what's in front, and the goalkeeper should be dealing with what's behind. That's the way I kind of would have. When somebody put, comes in on top of me, I would have dealt with it that way. So like I, I didn't really like it, um, and it's unusual for Alisson because he is generally very commanding in his box. But the whole setup that that's possibly not something that he wants to do. That setup that's something that the manager wants in terms of the way they defend set pieces.
0: One last thing, Kenny, for you before. Uh We'll let you off We'll let you off the leash As they say Damien Duff going in As head coach of uh, Shelburne When you played with him Did you see Damien Duff As a, as a Possibly a, a future coach Did he always strike you As that type of
2: individual As long as a fu- uh, future cu- um, Couch Maybe <laughs> 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 That's where he used to spend Most of his time And on his matches as well Slatting his back Oh I, I, uh, I rumoured it for a couple of years And uh, he introduced me to the concept of a power nap in the middle of the <laughs> afternoons every time we were uh, on a trip together. But uh, what this happens, I think it's, uh, Duffers wouldn't be the first Adrian Moody and uh, Gary all know this, not played with players, you play with players in the dressing room and they project a certain order and they carry themselves a certain way and, and suddenly you see them three or four years into management or their, their coaching career and they're a, they're a different animal a Different beast, and I think Duffus has spoken about that. It's almost like a four has been reignited and in terms of when he stepped on the coaching uh, ladder. but um, I think it's I think it's a great decision for Damien Persky in terms of taking the job there. I think he's ready for it, and I think it's a big challenge for him. I think he'll embrace it. I think he's a great it's a great appointment for the for the club as well. He's a very diligent uh, coach. Uh, good knowledge of the game, good eye for the game as well. Uh, I think he'll work well with the players, get a good reaction from the players. I just think it's great for the league in general. I mean, I think next season, uh, I think you could just take off in terms of the league of Honor I was at Daily Mount last night watching Bows win uh, 2-1, and that's going to go toward our fourth place. It'll be interesting what Gary thinks again, just in terms of the competitive nature of the league next season. But Derry are coming on strong. James and know that, spending a lot of money uh, next season. Sligo and Pat's in a great position. Uh, Shamrock Rovers, as we know, we know how strong they are. I'm expecting Dundalk to come back strong again. The, F- the Shells can join the party and kind of reinforce and improve uh, quickly. We're going to have probably as competitive a league as we've as we've ever done with some really kind of, not just talented players, which we've always had, but some actually some outstanding young coaches as well. In the league, the likes of uh, Rory, obviously Stephen O'Donnell, and now uh, Damien Duff with the Rovers lads as well. So I think the league in general, looking at a bigger at a bigger point, I think the league's in as good a shape as it's uh, ever been, and I just can't can't wait till it starts next season. I think there's going to be absolute fireworks, big Dublin derbies, you know, big games all around the all around the league, and yeah, I can't wait for it.
0: Okay, all right. Listen, Kenny, many thanks for joining us on the RT Sarka podcast. Kenny Cunningham, a reminder, of course, Ireland against Portugal, live on Game On on 2FM on Thursday. Kenny will be involved on the evening and then on Radio 1 on Sunday, Ireland away to Luxembourg. On now to the SSE Electricity League Premier Division. Sligo secured European football for the second year in a row with a 3-0 win over St. Pat's at Richmond Park. Their first win at Richmond Park since the summer of 2018 when they also won 3-0. Johnny Kenny, who has just committed himself to the club by signing a three-year contract amongst the goals there. Ryan DeVries also scoring a cracker. So Sligo got the job done. They're in Europe. Here's their manager, Liam Buckley.
4: Uh, we've grafted it out. Uh, the first goal was very important from Ryan Devries. Fantastic finish from his end. Um, once you have that lead, it was. They found it difficult in the first half. Second half, we just sat back too too deep at times. But uh, I'm just delighted with the effort and the graft they've put in. You know, they've they've have worked hard all season. I know we've had some poor results and farmers being indifferent at times. We still merited our position. Uh, toward um, we're still toward it this minute in time with two games to go. So hopefully we can finish there. Is relief the emotion right now? A little bit of that, yeah, um, because there was a little bit of tightness and, you know, the fear of losing was overtaking the excitement of winning, you know, the kind of way, and we've got that back in the last few weeks, so hopefully we can push on the last two games and, and do well.
0: Liam Buckley there at Finn Park in Ballybuffet it finished Finn Harps 1 Derry City 1 Ethan Ball had given Harps the lead in the 83rd minute Jamie McGonigal with a penalty the draw just about gives Harps the edge over Waterford in the race to avoid second from bottom Harps ahead on goal difference we'll hear from Ollie Horgan very shortly but first the Derry boss Rory Higgins
5: It was a game of very few chances but uh, second half we landed on a bit more second ball and, and, and and play the game in their half slightly more, but um, I think over the piece of points probably fair. Again, you find yourself having to come from behind, but given the the late nature of it tonight, it'll it'll seem like a good come from behind point. Aye, it's we don't want to be coming from behind. We want to be getting in front in games, and then teams having to come out at us, and then I think that's when that's when we can be be effective and dangerous. And and um, it wasn't the case, but the players keep going the well. It's a, it's a difficult stage of the season they play three games in a week right at the end and and we don't have the biggest squad in the world we're using the same players time and time again and um, and, and they're giving absolutely everything and um, there's no getting away that our form has probably dropped off and in recent times but we'll get it back we'll get we'll, we'll get a, a few days off now recharge the batteries and we'll be fresh going on the on, on the Friday and hopefully put on a really good display in front of our own supporters what's the dressing
6: room like after a night like that I,
5: listen they're not elated by any stretch of imagination but um, we've fought back and, and taken a point um, we've taken a point out of a game uh, where we were behind and going into the 86 87 minutes so we um, can't be too disappointed, and there's one thing for sure, I, I'm not going to criticise our players because they're giving absolutely everything for the club, for the supporters, for me, for the staff. And for third and fourth to be even, to be
3: part of the conversation, it's been a credit, Rui, to, to, to you and the players for the turnaround this season.
5: I suppose it's just hope for a big finish now over the last two weeks of the season? Aye, to be even in the conversation, Eric, would have looked um, my, a long way away, but um, six seven months ago so um we have to be happy with the position that we've got ourselves in there and 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 listen we'll we'll we'll, we'll try and pick up six points in our last two if we don't it won't be for the one to try and, and we'll we'll approach friday night and in the way that we always do at home and, and try and play on the front foot and try and pick up three points in front of our own fans
3: ollie you got a point but you had three points in your grasp there
7: yeah we did um just it's a pity you know scoring so late. We did the dirty part defending, you know, all through the game. Uh, bar probably the Jamie the McGonagall lab that to be fair we got away with, with, with one in that one. But we felt we did enough all through the game to to you know to keep it tight. We score and then to concede so so easily and quickly afterwards. Yeah, it's disappointing. However, Derry have scored a lot of late equalisers. That's twice they've scored against us here and in the Brandywell. And to our favour they got a late equaliser in Wallaford on you know Tuesday night. So you can't have it all your know man.
3: What did you make of the contest overall?
7: I thought it was a good, honest contest. Uh, I Thought there was very little between the teams. It was always going to boil down to set pieces, which it did: A uh, corner kick and, and and a penalty, if you like. Uh, I felt that, that that there wasn't a bad tackle in the game. Yet we've ended up with four yellow cards, and it's very disappointing, Jeremy, because that that possibly could come back to, ha- to, to haunt us, Eric. So uh, you know, we'll we'll. Um, you know, you play forty games in the season, maybe forty-one in the playoff. You're bound to get five yellow cards with the way that the officials handed them out there tonight. And, you know, we, we, we know that, that that we have lads on, on basically on the breadline that if they get another yellow card, they're out of the playoff if we're in it.
3: And you are in a better position than you were at the start <laughs> of the night. So how, how do you read it now two, two ah, games Look,
7: look it's, 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 you know, we've got the same two teams left. Um, they've got pats at home and they're very, very good at home. Uh, we've got Pats away, it's probably the second most difficult place in the country to go to uh, after Tala, and we found out about Tala last Friday night. Um, we have to win a game and try and get a result in Inchicore, which would be a savage ask of us. We've got our results up there before, but, but maybe not against sides going as well as Pats are going at the moment, and uh, we got a heightened up there the last time we were up there. But look, we we will go up there and try and put something together to train and, and, and make it difficult for pets. However, you know, it'll be it'll be a hugely difficult, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, that's a big game on Friday night for Finn Harps now after that draw with Derry Pats uh, entertaining Finn Harps on Friday night. Now, there were disturbing scenes at the RSC and Waterford. Players had to leave the pitch midway through the first half when fireworks were ignited from the stand. Shamrock Rovers have since condemned the actions of two of their fans. Uh, the Hoops came from behind to win 3-1 with Danny Mandroyu scoring twice. But Waterford manager Mark Bircham expressed disgust at his own players and said they don't deserve to stay in the top flight
8: disgusted in my players we don't deserve to stay up if we defend set pieces like that we don't deserve to be in the league Don't no matter how, work, how hard work we've done, how well we've done from the 91st minute in the Derry game we've let three of the worst set pieces in that I can see we've let another corner in tonight and a wide free kick where someone's headed it in the middle of our box and no one's made contact, they know their jobs the players know who they are They've let us down the players have let a lot of the team down in the last two games And if we defend set-pieces like that, we don't deserve to be in the league. Disgusting. They're not doing their jobs. When it comes to the pressure time of the season, they're not doing their jobs. So it don't matter how well we play and the game plan was working perfectly, not really had any chances. And if you defend set-pieces like that, as I said, we don't deserve to be in the league and we should lose the playoff final and go down. I'm disgusted in the players. They've got their jobs to do. You do your jobs in them two games. We're up. We stay in this league. And they've got to take a good hard look at themselves. How many plaudits they get and how well that they, they've been doing. You can't do that as professional footballers. I'm talking my experienced players and my non-experienced players have let the team down.
0: Mark Burcham pulling no punches there. Elsewhere, a busy few days for both Dundalk and for Drogheda in the loud derby. A late goal from Dan Cleary Gave Dundalk a 1-0 win Over Drogheda At Head in the Game Park Dundalk back in action On Sunday With a 2-0 win Over Longford Town And a finish Bohemians 2 Drogheda 1 At Dalyman Park On Sunday evening Ross Tierney With the goals As both came from behind To win After Dini Corcoran Had opened the scoring uh, Let's start Shall we uh, In terms of our looking Our reflections On the weekend uh, Gary uh, You were at Richmond Park On Friday night Sligo Rovers 3-0 winners did you see that result coming?
3: Probably not certainly not a 3-0 I think you know it was obviously hugely important for Sligo and there is a bit more importance on that game for them than there was for St Pats Um, I know Stevie Donald wasn't on the line for St Pats which may have been a factor as well but um, like terrific performance from Sligo Um, Ryan De first goal and Johnny Kenny getting the second one Um, I think they were full value for the win and they played really well on the night obviously Greg Bulger coming back into the team and he's been pivotal to everything that they have done this season and um, you know was, he's been hugely influential on, on their games when he's played Um I think you know Liam refers to it in his interview about you know the European stuff I think they were just a bit unfortunate at the time and they had a few injuries I know they had a couple of COVID issues around that time and they'll be disappointed with how the European campaign went from this year but the most important thing is they're they're back in European football again next year and um, now the job is for Liam to, to build on, on the squad that he has because I think he probably doesn't have a big enough squad to kind of compete in terms of winning a league, but if he can if he can build on what he's got there, he's got the nucleus of a very good side and it would be interesting to see what the business that they do in the off-season.
0: Yeah, You've obviously seen a bit of Johnny Kenny at Sliger Rovers during the course of the season. How impressed have you been by him, given that he's just 18 years of age? As I mentioned, he's signed that new contract extension. What about his potential? How far can he go, do you think?
3: yeah i think he's got massive potential i think you know the one thing Johnny's he's, he's grown throughout the season like it, it's a case of like he had a very good pre-season where he scored five or six goals in pre-season and uh, like he's he he's taken that kind of form into the season i think he's on 11 goals there for the season but he's grown as a player and playing senior football has helped him because he would have come straight out of the underage leagues and and the academy at sligo and but his all-round play, like he's, he, his hold-up play has been excellent. He's got terrific pace, which is obviously a massive plus, but he's also a very good finisher. So he's got a great uh, combination of talents, if you like, And but like, what's most impressed me over the last kind of, the last month or so is the way he's affecting the game and the amount of right decisions he's making on the ball. When he gets the ball, he's holding it up, he's linking it in, and he's been very important for, for Sligo on the way that they've played and
1: obviously sealing that European spot.
0: James, is that just a blip en route to the cup final for St. Pat's? How do you see it?
1: Um, I think it might be just a blip, to tell you the truth. Like they didn't start with some players you would have expected them to start with as well. But I know we've been semi-critical, I think, of Sligo Rovers under the way they've played over the last couple of months. But the three results they put together to get that European spot have been absolutely excellent. What Gary's saying about Johnny Kenny, I think I think Liam's been very good with Johnny Kenny, actually, because he's only used them when he needs to use them. He has left him out of a couple of starting lineups as well, and I think that's helped him during the year. But yeah, Pats, I think one eye definitely on the cup final. Um, now, they do still need a point, I think. Maybe, yeah, maybe a point to yeah. make sure they that second, second place. And I think that probably gives you a better... In the conference league, a better, better round in the conference league. or So that's that's vitally important for them. But yeah, I think it's a little blip. I think one eye's definitely on that. I think they were probably thrown into a bit of disarray on Friday with Stephen not being there because even we were wondering where he was because we were looking for him pre match. And nobody could tell us really why he wasn't there. But uh, yeah, a bit of a blip and they'll move on to the last two games of the season. I think just trying to cement who his starting 11 is going to be for that cup final.
0: Gary, we all saw, I mean, you were, you were, as I mentioned, you were at Richmond Park, James was at Richmond Park, I was at Richmond Park, but we all saw the scenes on Friday night out of the RSC and those uh, fireworks being let off. So, so dangerous.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's it looks hugely disappointing to see stuff like that going on and, you know, you're trying to encourage people to go to games and families and the, the next generations of supporters and, and to see that, it's... It, it, Apart from it, it's so dangerous. You know, you see players getting hit by, by fireworks on the pitch. It's it's shocking behaviour. I think you know, I think rightly so. It's been condemned by, by all quarters. And, look, it's not what you want to see in our game. It's very, very dangerous. And we were just lucky that, you know, that nobody was hurt. And, and, and look, th- th- it'll be interesting to see what sort of sanctions are, are placed on. Like, it's difficult to place it on the club because it's not necessarily the club's fault. But, like, somebody has to pay the price for, for um, what went on on Friday
0: you heard the comments there Gary of Mark Bircham after the game obviously Water were leading at the time by a goal tonight when the players were taken off the pitch would that have affected the Water players do you think what went on
3: yeah no i don't i don't think so um you know you know it, certainly like if you know in the case that somebody was injured or there was a, a, another issue glad for, thankfully there was no injury but like you know if anything it gave them time to kind of regroup and and you know solidify the position they were in and, and to chat and to chat about it. um but they were probably talking about the fireworks to be fair but like, um, it was fireworks off the pitch with, with Mark's uh, interview at the end but like mm. it's very unusual you see a manager coming out and condemning the players the way he did you know, that's fine behind closed doors you know you can ask questions and, and you know you can have a go at players and stuff like that but like you know he's got to get a reaction out of the, them players over the next couple of weeks in order to cement their place in the Premier Division so I'm just surprised at the way he's gone about that Um, you know you know you would have never heard Stephen Kenny coming out and 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 saying stuff like that about his players when he was in the league, if anything, like he he wouldn't be afraid to have a coach in the dressing room, but he'd always back the players, you know, publicly. And it's an unusual kind of uh, situation that one.
0: Yeah, was it just his emotions got the better of him? Do you think? In hindsight, do you think he might regret saying what he did publicly?
3: Possibly, he seems like an emotional kind of character. And like, and to be fair to him, like he's done a good job since he's gone in there. Um, you know, he, he's he's you know they've got to picked up a lot of points. There are forty points now. Um. You know, from where he's gone in and uh, but I, I think, you know, on hindsight you might regret saying that because you know you've got to get you know, you've got to get these players to perform for you over the, over the next couple of weeks and all the, the good work that they have done may go out the window off the back of it, you never know
0: yeah Dundalk safe James safe from that relegation playoff spot in fact they they could they could yet make it to Europe but in terms of that relegation playoff spot I'm going to come on to the first division matches uh, and the fact that it'll be UCD and Bray Wanderers in the uh, playoff final in just a moment but first of all Finn Harps and Waterford battling away down at the bottom of the table it's very very tight
1: it's very tight and if I was Waterford now at the minute and you're looking at that goal difference, it brings you back to that draw of the game where they were forced to play the under-19s by the FEI, Mm. And that could be the game, because if they both win their last two games, they go down probably on goal difference. And that's the game where you now look at the FEI and go, you forced us to play that game. And that's Mm. nonsense, and that's where our goal difference has gone from. But they'll battle it out. I'm trying to remember the last time 40 points was ninth position in the top league. I actually can't remember. I think you go back the last maybe seven or eight years, 28 points or something like that would have seen you in ninth place, not 40. But what Mark has done there has been great. What Ollie's doing to Finn Harps, he does every year. And I think Gary might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago about Drogheda might be getting dragged back in there. They've only got one game left. So if they win their game, they can go to 38, which basically means that they could well. Well, go to no, they go to 47. And that's the only said, way they guaranteed that they're not in that bottom spot and they do definitely need a win to make sure it's there or else one of those two could leap from them on the last day of the season Yeah, Yeah, that's their last game, was the Rovers game in Talla on the last day of the season so that's a big game for them It'll come down to that and it'll also come down to that, and I've said this for a couple it'll come down to that for fourth place I think as well, I think it'll come down to the last day of the season where Dundalk against the odds could actually get that fourth place and rely on St Pat's to win the FAI Cup to get Europe and there'll be some change around for the league if that does happen
0: Gary a couple of managerial departures Dara Doyle gone from Longford Town what do you make of that and obviously Paul Doolan leaving Athlone as well
3: yeah probably very surprised at Dara Doyle and because you know like they've stuck with him all season long and, and look, the players have, have you know fought well for him I just think that you know initially at the start of the season for Dara he, he stuck with a lot of the first division players that were there and, you know, that may have been the downfall of of Longford. You need to really strengthen to go up, as, as you can see Damien Duff will, will obviously try to do. But it was just unusual with a couple of games to go in the season for him to go. You would have thought that he was in position to see out the season, certainly, and then reevaluate it at the end of the season. But look, that that's just the way it went. Uh, the Paul Doolan thing, well, I think Paul is on record as saying that it was... Um, it was only ever a short-term appointment and it was kind of, you know, to get back into to football for, for Paul and, and just to see where he's at because he's been out of the game for for so long, I suppose, you know, and um, it's good to see him back in and, um, you know, Paul is a terrific coach and, and uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what his thoughts are and if there's a job for him in the pipeline, you know, in the near future because, you know, he's certainly... Um, you know a very he's been a very successful player but he's been a successful manager as well and to you know f- to have him back in the game would be brilliant
0: OK, well, on to those uh, first division playoffs. Uh, Galway defeated by Bray Wanders at Aime in DC Park by a goal to nil. Brandon Kavanagh with a super goal. UCD lost 2-1 at home to Treaty United, but they're through 4-2 over the two legs. So the hard part done in the first leg down in Limerick for UCD when they won by three goals to nil. But let's get some reaction to that game at Aime in DC Park. We'll hear from John Caulfield very shortly. But first, the Bray boss, Gary Cronin.
6: My job this year, uh, Jonathan, was uh, after a, a poor start was to ensure that we finished in the playoff spots, and we did that. It was a little bit inconsistent throughout the season. Um, overall, when you look at the league table over three seasons, yeah, it hasn't been our best one out of three. But I had to turn that negative into a positive coming into these games. To, it, it was imperative that we qualify for the playoffs, and we did that. Um, and I knew we had we had it within us to uh, to produce something special uh, tonight. So and and we did. But look, I mean, sometimes it doesn't go your way. The opposition have something to say about it. Of course, it was a much tougher league over the whole three years I've been in the fourth division. Obviously, Galway have have added obviously to the league. You had Shelbourne and Cork City were full-time outfit, and UCD strong. So treaty came in with an Limerick side in, in the league again, and you know it was really really difficult. It's not easy, so the lads have produced something tonight which is which is great for our club and hopefully we can continue on against you today. It's going to be another cracking game I, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah,
9: it's one for the neutrals, isn't it? You know, if the football purists out there as well uh, it's all set up for a perfect spectacle
6: of, fo- of football. <laughs> yeah, please don't let it down. Hopefully we get a good evening and it's not too bad weather-wise and um, yeah, it's like you look at it, we have under-21 the internationals on the pitch and obviously Brian is the number one goalkeeper and see and they have Colin Whale and lame the under-21 internationals and you sort of look at that and go, it should produce a good game of football and hopefully it does.
9: John, I suppose disappointment is probably the biggest uh, emotion now right after that defeat.
4: Yeah, but to be fair, I'd like to congratulate Gary and Bray, you know, I think, over the two games. Brandon Kavanaugh. to be fair, he got an unbelievable goal. It was the only strike in the two games, you know, on target. But at the same time... Um, Last year in the playoffs, we came late and did them. And I suppose over the two games, we didn't score, you know, and ultimately. That was the difference in the two in the two legs, and um, but to be fair, the lads left everything on the pitch. I thought the second half was an onslaught, and we tried, but to be fair to Bray, the they defended really well.
9: I suppose it's probably even more disappointment, you know, such a great occasion here, the noise, rolling back the years to almost to childhood, and to hearing big crowds here as well. I know it's stuff that you've been working on, but I know it's some no consolation now. But that probably makes it even a little bit more disappointing than what could
4: have been almost. To be honest, yeah, we've been in the bottom half of the table for a long time. For a long number of years, someone said tonight it was the biggest crowd since the League Cup final in 2016. We have a new supporter coming, lots of families, lots of kids, lots of teenagers, and I thought tonight just saw f- phenomenal support. There's a lot of positivity around the around the area. Around the 14s won last night the, the National Cup against the Shamrock Rovers. Uh, We've a lot of work on with Johnny Glynn in the academy, and um, you know we must turn this to a positive. That you know after two years of COVID and since the, since the season has turned around and the last crowds have been allowed back in, in the last number of months, that we can have a crowd like this over 4,000 in Galway, which shows that um, in the last 12 months a lot of hard work is paying off. Of course, it's disappointing. The people have gone home, but I think they could appreciate that this team has given everything and um, obviously we didn't score, but it wasn't from the lack of trying and effort. And um, And hopefully we can build on that for the start of next season.
0: Yeah, John Caulfield accentuating the positives after Galway missed out on the playoff final. And it's going to be an intriguing decider, isn't it, Gary, between UCD and Bray Wanderers. Many people expected Galway uh, to come through and face the team from the Premier Division, but not to be.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a, a really good uh, game uh, between Bray and UCD. And the likes of uh, Kerrigan and, and Whelan have been having terrific seasons at UCD. and I know there's other, plenty of other good players there as well. But Gary Cronin will be delighted to, to get himself into the playoff I was at the game in on Wednesday, and uh, the nil all in Bray, and there was you know very little in the game. It was actually it was it was a tough game really. There was very very few chances. So, of you know, playoff games, it's about getting getting the result and getting through to the next uh, the next phase of it. So, um you know Andy Myler and Gary Cronin are very familiar with each other, the former teammates, played the it together and stuff like that. So these guys, uh, it'll be it'll be a good a good tactical battle um to see who who gets through to that that uh, promotion relegation playoff game.
0: Okay, well, what's also going to be very fascinating next weekend is the final day of the Women's National League season because uh, at Piemont. Missed out on the opportunity to seal the title at the weekend. They were held to a scoreless draw. Elsewhere, Cork City beat Treaty United by three goals to one. Bowes one, Shelburne three. Jessica zoo with two goals there. And Jesse Stapleton, just 16 years of age, Player of the Month for October, also on target. So Shelburne three-one winners. And as mentioned, Piemont held by DLR Ways. Nil, nil. Piemont remained top. Two points clear with one round of games remaining. But they missed the chance to... Uh, Clinch the title. Let's hear from the, the very much the star of the show for for DLR Ways, Eva Bandana, the goalkeeper.
9: Eve first things first. Uh, from a personal point of view, what a performance between the sticks from yourself tonight.
10: Thanks. Yeah, I'm. To, to be honest, it's it's the whole team. You know, the the girls did really well blocking shots and um, marking the players. Did I'm really proud of them. So it just made my job that much easier.
9: The penalty incident and the penalty save was obviously the highlight as well. Not only the penalty save, the quick reactions, uh, everything from the manual to stop the second shot as well.
10: Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, you know, you prepare for it, you train for it. So I'm glad it kind of reflected today. But, um, you know, yeah, proud of proud of everyone today.
9: It was a brilliant team performance as well from your side.
10: Yes, absolutely. Again, um, you know, we've, we've got such a great, great squad, players coming in off the bench, making impacts and, um, you know, making those decisions as managers is, is brilliant as well. So I hopefully, hopefully that reflected today.
9: You've probably disappointed a lot of the locals here as well Obviously the, the talk from the neutrals and everyone from Piedmont was getting the win I think the champagne was almost here as well But you know, your side yourself, you responded for a disappointing result last week But uh, you know, you more than earned the, the draw tonight, I thought your team did.
10: Yeah, absolutely, and that's just it like The resilience in football, you know, one week to the next um, That's the whole point, that's why we're here So happy with that, um, and look, next week's a new week So we go again against treaty
9: That's it, one more go before they put the feet up for the
0: season
10: <laughs> That's it, exactly, yeah
0: Jonathan Higgins with the questions there. That's Eva Badana, the goalkeeper for DLR Ways, who produced some outstanding saves, including a penalty save to deny Piemount at the weekend. Piment well, they're still in pole position, two points clear, James. They take on Galway in their final home game of the season. That should do it if they get the, the required result. Shells, meanwhile, they take on Wexford Youths, both games kicking off at half past seven. But it's terrific for the Women's National League season that the title will be decided on the final day of the season. Nail biting time for everybody involved, of course, though.
1: Yeah, it is. And uh, when we looked at this, like, we've obviously been looking at through the season, but Piemont was so ahead a couple of months ago that you thought this was going be wrapped up well and well in advance and then we watched the game last weekend between Shelburne and Galway, um, absolutely cracking game, Shelburne get off to the start as they wanted a goal early on but uh, they were very very good game, very controlled game, um, it, it'll be an interesting game to say the truth, you would expect Piemont to beat Galway and then that um, is a, a precursor to the cup final. That, that last game Shells versus Wexford Is going to be um, A very very intriguing game To see how they both uh, Line up against each other But It's great that it has Come down to the last game Of the season Shells need to do What they need to do And Mount need to do What they need to do And you, you would you would expect Mount just about To get over the line
0: And well done to Katie McCabe Over in England Winning Player of the Month For October Also Goal of the Month For her spectacular it's Katie McCabe strike. Month yeah, absolutely. Yeah, super goal against Aston Villa as well. So she's absolutely flying it, as indeed our Arsenal at the moment. Last before we wrap things up, just a word on the under twenty ones taking on Italy. Huge game, Gary, on Friday evening at Tala Stadium. Italy, the visitors for Jim Crawford's side, but that, that's that's a tough test.
3: Yeah, this is really going to be a test for them. Obviously, look, they're you know they they need a, a big result and, and you know. It, it, Italy under-21s will be a very stern opposition but like it's a great challenge for the players and um, I know there's a number of League of Ireland players that are in the squad so you know Jim hasn't been afraid to bring them guys in and look they've been they've been very competitive in all their games to date um, so it's going to be a really tough game, but you know, at home I think there'll be a really good crowd at Tala, and you think that they'll be able to feed off that and hopefully get a you know, a big a famous win um, for for the under twenty ones to beat an Italian side at home, it'd be brilliant.
0: Yeah, and then they have to try and back it up if they can manage to get a result change. They got Sweden a few days later. So it's a big double header for Jim and the lads.
1: Yeah, it's a massive double header, but do you know what? They've had this double header before Adrian in the group. Um twenty nineteen they last played Italy in Talla. And they drew nil all with them. Now, they lost 2-0 away in Italy, but that Italian team had likes of Moscheean, who actually got sent off in Tala playing in it. Do you know what I mean? So, even at that stage, they were bigger underdogs. I watched back yesterday on the Macedonia game, watched that game back yesterday, and they were so unfortunate to come away with a loss there because they controlled the game. They played really, really well. It's just, again, quick-fire start by Macedonia cost them. But they could well have come away in that game. They're playing really, really well. I love the endeavour. I love Kilkenny. I love Coventry in the middle, the way they play with each other. One pushes, one doesn't, one stays, but they can both spray the ball as well. So hopefully... It's an early enough kickoff. I think it's a half-five kickoff in Tallaght on Friday evening, so if we can get a good crowd in there for that game, push them on. If they get some kind of result on this and then back it up with Sweden, and again, they played Sweden in a group, I think, two years ago, and Troy Parrott scored an absolute cracking goal away, lobbing the keeper from about 25 yards to actually get them. I think they got the win that day, so they won't see any fear in Sweden, to tell you the truth, even though they're ranked way ahead of them, but get through Friday, get something on the board on Friday, and despite that game in Macedonia knocking back their their progress, it'll definitely keep, keep keep them on the road to progressing again.
0: Yeah, And just to finish James, just a word, rude doctor of course that was the other big footballing news domestically over the course of the weekend uh, stepping away from his role as high performance director so it goes without saying, the next appointment, whoever will take over, that's going to be huge in terms of the development of football in this country.
1: Yeah it does and I think the development has to be based around what the senior manager thinks as well. I think you need some input from whoever the senior manager is, in this case Stephen Kenny. But not just that, the development has to look at the likes of around League of Ireland clubs, academies around League of Ireland clubs and building academies around League of Ireland clubs because now with the likes of Brexit, you can't move to the UK until you're 18. Now you can move elsewhere in Europe and we've seen the likes of Zephy and stuff like that doing very well in, in across Europe and picking the right league for them to go and progress in. But that's something that needs to be looked at. It's not just a, let's develop this for the international squad. It's developed this further down. I'm sure Gary would have an opinion on this as well, where we need to have someone who's going to come in and help with proper structures in youth football, right way up from even under eights, under under nines, tens, and stuff like that, to make sure they're progressing in the right way. And we're playing the way we need to play football to progress higher up the level. So we, we basically get a, a drip up. like So we, we progress up instead of progressing down. Gary, your view on
3: this? Yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of work done in terms of coach education here uh, over the last number of years, and we've got some really highly qualified coaches at all levels in the game. But the one thing I think, as Damien Duff said in his one of his interviews over the weekend is we've got a severe lack of facilities, and it's it's you know them facilities need to be put in place in order for these coaches to be coaching and training in 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 the best environment so there's huge there's a huge task at hand in order to kind of get our game on a level playing field even with the facilities that are you know across the other codes in ireland so there's 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 lots of different strands to it um and there's there's a big job ahead, but look, we we've got some great coaches and great people in the game here, and you know to to you know I suppose instill that coaching on the on the next generation of footballers coming through, and and like James says, like Stephen Kenny or the the, uh, the you know the senior management team need to have an input into you know it has to be kind of from from youth level true. We have to have an identity and a kind of a, a way of playing the game, and that has to be kind of. The whole way through, through all the academies, I know. It, look, you, know, you see, Galway under 14s beating Shamrock Rovers the weekend. Like, there's obviously great work being done down in in Galway by Johnny Glynn and these guys. So, look, there's evidence that there's there's great progression in in underage football and underage academies. But we still have a long way to go in order to kind of be, you know, competing with the with the academies that you have in the UK because look, they're they're light years ahead in terms of their facilities and stuff.
0: Okay, all right, lads. As we leave it there. Many thanks to Gary Rogers, also to James O'Toole. A reminder. Ireland against Portugal live on Game On and 2FM on Thursday evening also of course coverage of the Luxembourg match on Sunday on RTÉ Radio 1 both games live on RT2 television until next week from us all bye bye